Hey there, before we get started, we want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in to the Kuhau Podcast. We hope it encourages you and draws you closer to Jesus as you listen. Let's get excited for this message and let's get ready to hear from God. John chapter 11, verse 17 and 26. If I can get somehow a 45-minute countdown, I would appreciate it because if not, we'll be here till Monday. And it says, so when Jesus came... I don't know. I'm excited to be here. I'm just saying, it's been three weeks since I preached. You know what I mean? Like three weeks. I'm the guest speaker today. Here we go. John chapter 11. It says, so when Jesus came and he found that he had already been in the tomb four days, now in Bethany, was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would have not died. But even now, I like this, but even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Now look at these strange set of events. It says, and Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again, Martha said to him. And she goes, Martha said to him, I know that he will rise, but in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? I think it's incredible that What she was looking for was right in front of her face, and she completely missed it. My title to our message today is simply this. Jesus is the point. Look at the person next to you. Tell them Jesus is the point. Now, tell them like you you from Staten Island. Tell them Jesus is the point. Tell them like you from Jersey. Jesus is the point. Now, tell them like you from Brooklyn. Tell them Jesus is the point. Colossians, I want to go to Colossians real quick. He is the divine portrait, the true likeness of the invisible God, the firstborn heir of all creation, for in him was created the universe of things, both in the heavenly realm and on earth, all that is seen and all that is unseen, every seat of power, realm of government, principality, and authority. It all exists through him and for his purpose. He exists, he existed before anything was made, and now everything finds completion in him. Hey, listen, if you felt like you've been picked apart, if you felt like something is missing, missing, can I tell you today that everything finds its completion in him? The title to our message, I'll say it again, is Jesus is the point. Would you help me pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for these moments that we get to share together and have together. Lord, would you speak to your children? Do you speak to us, oh God? I pray that this message may be more than just information being disseminated, but this may be a heart transformation, oh God, that we experience and that we may encounter you too today. We pray this in your precious name and everyone says in this room, amen and amen. Can we give God some praise in this room one more time? Ah, um, I, I, have you ever, let me ask you a simple question right to it. Have you ever missed the point? Have you ever missed? See, like there's some people saying yes. Some people haven't answered. And for you, we're praying for. 
But have you, how about this? I'll ask it this way. Make some noise if you've ever been in an argument with someone and they completely missed the point. I knew that that would be a better one, right? That would be a better one. You know what I'm talking about? Like the point is right here. And there's somewhere climbing a mountain, somewhere descending a valley, somehow circumventing the point that it's right in front of their face. Like, hey, the point is over here, Lisa. I mean, the point is over here. What you doing down there in Hurutungo? Like, what's going? You ever miss the point and miss somebody? I mean, tell you, arguments? Oh, you know. You ever been a, in an argument with a Puerto Rican? They miss somebody? You miss I think it's so easy that we can miss the point, and it's not just in arguments. I mean, you can just do a search and how easily it is for people to miss the point. Can I help you out real quick? I tell you, it's this easy for people to miss the point. Can I show you uh, Miss uh, Segway? Do we have that up? Please let us have that up because this might not work if that is not up. How are we doing? Give me a thumbs up or keep it moving. Thumbs up. Thumbs down. I think they missed the point. But uh, uh, this happened when I was trying to, you know, this happened easily when I was trying to holler at Lisa. And I think she completely missed the point. And let me tell you, your pastor has some good Christian game. I'll tell you right now. Boy, I was like, hey, girl, my name is Will. She like, Will? Yeah, I'm like, God's Will. You know what I'm saying? I was like, yo, let me tell you. Like, yo, do you need an accountability partner? That's a good. Single folks, that works all the time. Hey, you need an accountability partner? I got you. Because I put the stud in Bible study. Come on, somebody. I was trying to holler. I was like, hey, I would like to take you out on a date. I'd like for us to go out and, 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 and just have a good time. Maybe watch a movie. Maybe go out for, for dinner. And I love, you could take that. We missed the mark. We missed the point. Um, and, and I love it because, you know, I, I, I asked her and, and I, I love her response. She goes, okay, but who else is coming? I'm sorry, Lisa. I think we've missed the point. Like, I'm trying to holler. She's like, yeah, who else is coming? Are we going to have a great time? Bible study? Is John and May going to be there? And I'm like, I think you missed the point. You know what I'm talking about? Let me show you the pictures. We could put the pictures up if they're good. I think Mr. Highlighter missed the point. He may have missed the point. Like, the point is... To highlight something so that when you read it, it'll stand out to you. But when you're highlighting the whole thing, you may have just missed the point. Can we put the segue? Segue in the, in the treadmill. I think she may have missed the point. I think if, let's be honest, I think it's so easy for many of us to just miss the point. I think sometimes it's easy to miss the point, and, and, and if we're being honest, we could be a little like Martha, like the point could be right in front of our face, and we can't make the connection. I think that sometimes you could be like Martha with a prayer, like she is there in the middle of a prayer request asking God, Jesus, for eternal life, and eternal life is standing in front of her, and she's completely missing the point. She's like, I know he'll rise again in some resurrection, in some day, at the end, and he's like, no, I am here, I am the resurrection, I am the life, don't miss the point. When we look at our lives sometimes, I think we can get so preoccupied with everything else and the doing and the existing and, and the getting involved in different affairs and getting so busy and getting so caught up in what our agenda is and what our desires are. And I think we can miss the point of it all. We're being honest today. I think that God would 
speak to us. And God, we come to church, and I think sometimes we come to church, and we might miss the point of church. Throughout the Bible, it talks about this all the time. You'll see it in the book of Philippians. It'll tell us that we, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. Jesus says, for what does a man have, he, have if he gets all the world and loses his soul? Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, some of these people have missed the point. <laughs> they miss what's most important. They miss the most important thing in life. They don't know. God, I think if we're not careful, sometimes we can get so caught up in the ancillary things of life and the secondary things of life and completely miss out on what the point of life is. And we can get so caught up, but I'm glad that we're in a place today that we can tell you who the point is. I'm glad that we're in a, in a place today that we can know who the point of life is. I'm glad that we're in a place today. Like, listen, sometimes we could even come to church and we can come to church and still miss the point of coming to church. We can come to church thinking that we're, we're checking off a religious thing in our, in our moral uh, uh, compass, in our box, and, and we can miss the point of what coming to church is. You might be coming to church, you see somebody sitting on your seat because the church is growing and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe, but let me tell you something, that, that's not the point, Jesus is the point. They sing in worship, they like, they didn't sing my song. Can I tell you the point of worship is not for them to sing your song. The point of worship is that Jesus will be glorified. Jesus is the point. So what I want to do for the remainder of our time, I want to talk to you about three different areas where Jesus is the point of that area. And oftentimes, if we're not careful, we might miss it. Look at the person next to you, tell them, don't miss the point. And so I want to highlight these three different these three different areas, and the first one is this, Jesus is the point of life. Look at the person next to you, tell them Jesus is the point of life. If you're online, say Jesus is the point of life. Jesus is the point of life. And Pastor Marquez, can you come up here real quick? I think this is, this is a great illustration if I can use. Give it up for Pastor Marquez. Like, Jesus is the point of life, and I think sometimes we could just miss the point of life. But I think you could, I think you could, you could say it better than I could. I'll try, I'll try, I'll try. When we talk, when we talk about life, when we talk about the point of life, I want, I want to, I want to first point, point a light on the word point itself. The word point is defined as the significant or essential element of what is intended or being discussed. This, this was said by Pastor Google. The significant or essential element of what was intended or what is being discussed, right? And, and like Pastor Roe was sharing with him and, and Pastor Lee, and, and Pastor Lee missing the point by a wide margin. Um, they're not the first couple, they're not the first couple to miss the point. Because the first couple to have missed the point was another couple way back in Genesis named Adam and Eve, right? Adam and Eve missed the point because because God gave him a specific direction he gave him a specific order and he said he said Adam um, there's two trees there, there, there's two trees in the Garden of Eden one of them is the tree of life the other one is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil but just like some of us we're more attracted to the negative than we are to the positive so it's almost like if Adam and Eve all that they heard was 
don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But, but in God's original directive, he didn't even say don't eat from the knowledge of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. He just said there's two trees. There's just two trees. Right? And, and, and so, so I want you to think about two trees. Here's one tree. Here's another tree. One of them is life. One of them is the knowledge of good and evil. But just like so many of us, we're more interested in knowing good than in knowing God. We'd rather, we're drawn to, to wanting to know more than the next person, right? But God all the while, he wasn't telling Adam and Eve. He wasn't being like this, this, this rough God, right? This God, the, the one that we see in pictures with a long beard, throwing, you know, lightning from heaven. That He wasn't saying, Adam and Eve, I don't want you to eat from this tree. Don't you dare eat from this tree. If you eat from this tree, you're going to die. If you eat from this tree, you're going to throw humanity. Into, into this spiral, downward spiral. No. What God was trying to do was saying, I'm going to put this here. But the only reason I'm putting this tree of knowledge of good and evil here is because I want to make it almost impossible for you to choose anything other than life. God's original intention was not to be this cruel God giving to us. No, he was saying, I, I want to give you life so badly that I'm going to put something that hopefully will deter you in the direction of the tree of life. But how many of you know Adam and Eve, I'm... They, they miss the point. How many of us sometimes miss the point? We're like, God, I, but, but, but he looked good. She looked good. She, but God, she was evil. He was evil. But, but that's not the point, right? The point is, if it, from the beginning of that relationship, we had defined it as being either life or no life, we would have chosen life because it's an easier decision to make. But when our decision is based on good and evil, we're the ones that begin to determine what is good and evil. Because what's good and evil is determined on our perception. And our perception is determined upon our past. And our past is determined by factors that we had nothing to do with. This is why God says, if you dare to eat from the tree of life, instead of worrying about all this good and evil, all you have to worry about is living the life that I've called you to live there were two trees but Adam and Eve missed the point they missed the point there's another time that that two people missed the point because there were two thieves next to Jesus while Jesus was hanging on a tree Jesus was hanging on a tree and there's two people that had the same opportunity to, to accept life. There's two people that had the same opportunity to live forever. But one of them begins to do things by the knowledge of good and evil. One of them begins to say, you know, this thief, this, you know, if you were Jesus, you would have saved me when? If you were Jesus, if you were the one that I was waiting for, this wouldn't have happened to me. All these bad things that are happening to me are because you weren't there. All these bad things that happened to me is because you were absent from my life. But there was life right there. So then the other thief looked at him. The other thief said, Jesus, remember me. But the sentence doesn't stop there. He says, Jesus, remember me. 
And Jesus on the cross, on the tree, turns around and he says, Today you'll be with me in paradise. Want to know why this is big, Pastor? It's big because the word Eden means paradise. So Jesus is hanging on the tree. He's hanging on the tree. And he looks at this man who had no chance to fast, no chance to pray, no chance to change how he dressed, no chance to come become a member of a church, no chance to learn all the songs, no chance to learn all the Bible. All he said was, Jesus, remember me. And the one that was hanging on the cross that said, I am the resurrection and the life he said listen that same tree that it was in the garden of eden that was in the garden of paradise is on a mountain called Golgotha and that same tree is giving us all the ability to lead from him so that we can eat and we can live Jesus said today you'll be with me in paradise if you don't know Jesus, oh my gosh. If you don't know Jesus, you can know Jesus today. You can know life today. Because what I love about the tree of life is that the tree of life is not the tree of life and death. It's just the tree of life. And what does this mean? Death can never be connected to life. So if you eat from the tree of life and you say yes to Jesus today, you'll begin to live. You'll begin to grow. You'll begin to prosper. You'll begin to walk in your purpose. How many of you are ready to walk in their purpose? I believe we're living, we're standing in a church that's full of people of purpose. I mean, I look behind me, and here's Pastor Ruben, a preacher, a teacher, a director. I mean, he, he has all these different hats that he wears, but he's fixing lights because he understands purpose. As a matter of fact, I think you understand purpose better than me. Can you talk to them about this? How many, how many people grateful that Jesus has given them purpose in life. I think so often when it comes to our purpose, the biggest thing is that we miss the point of what the focus of our purpose ought to be. I don't know if you've been there, but I, I, I had the misprivilege of being told what my purpose was before I was even a believer. And people said, he's going to be a pastor. He's going to be a teacher. And then when you begin to step into whatever you believe your purpose to be and what God is calling you to be, I think human nature drives us into measuring and using metrics to tell us, well, am I living in my purpose? Because we need purpose. Studies have shown that, that even people, when they retire, if they don't continue to work or, or step into something in our lives, their, their lifespan drastically decreases because we, by nature, are designed and wired for purpose. And so that yearning, I think, so often in my life has created distractions to purpose. And I, I think Paul catches something. Uh, and we're going to put this scripture, scripture up, Philippians 3, 6 through 16. And we're not going to read the whole thing because it's long. But I encourage you to read it. I want to take you on a tour. 
Uh, and what Paul is saying in this passage, one of the defining things that he says in this scripture is, I reckon everything as complete loss for the sake of what is so much more valuable, the knowledge of Christ Jesus. He, he even goes on to say, I consider it all as mere garbage, which in my mind as I read this, it creates this hyperlink to this book of Ecclesiastes, where a king is writing a memoir, essentially, and he's writing, reflecting on all the life that he had living, lived, I can invent past tense words, living, and he has said, I have acquired it all, I have done it all, but what I have come to find is that it, it was as if I was chasing after the wind, because when you grab wind, what are you left with? And he said, it's meaningless. And here is Paul saying, hey, it's meaningless, but for a different reason and with a different revelation because the author of Ecclesiastes did not have the revelation of Jesus. And Paul with the revelation of Jesus says, hey, that's all meaningless. What I'm going to pursue is Jesus in my purpose. And I, I want to outline using what I think that Paul caught um, some I want to dismantle some distractions that we tend to miss the point on. And the first thing that Paul breaks down is our effort. Because oftentimes when it comes to our purpose, we say, well, am I putting enough work in? And hustle culture is out there. Oh, have you put enough work into your purpose? Have you done enough? Are you eat, sleeping and breathing this? Are you doing, 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 doing? Is your effort there and I, I think when it comes to the Christian life, our effort towards righteousness oftentimes becomes our personal disqualifier for why we're no longer pursuing our purpose. But Paul says, as far as a person can be righteous by obeying the commands of the law, I was without fault. I have followed the law to a T. And Paul says, but all those things that I would count as profit, I now reckon as a loss for Christ's sake. He goes on to say, I no longer have a righteousness of my own, a righteousness that comes from my effort, the, the kind that is gained by obeying the law. And the law is all about the works that you are doing. But he says, no, no, no. I now have the righteousness that is given through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is based on faith. It's not about our effort. Our effort is not the point of our purpose. Paul says it's a righteousness that comes from faith in Jesus, not obedience to the law. And then the other thing that he's dismantling is achievement. Because when I try to pursue purpose, I start evaluating myself by the accolades and the achievement that I am acquiring. Because if I'm a pastor, well, then people ought to be coming in through the doors. Oh, if I'm called to be a psychologist, well, then I ought to be getting degrees and, and all these things. And start, we start defining ourselves by those accolades. Why? Because those accolades tell me oh, I'm reaching my purpose. But our purpose, but achievement is not the point of purpose. Paul looks at his achievements and he says, for his sake, I have thrown everything away. I consider it all as garbage. Why, Paul? Why is it garbage? 
Oh, so that I may gain Christ and be completely united with him. Paul, the apostle, leading many, many churches, writing as the majority of the New Testament. You know what he says about his purpose? And God speaks over his purpose. God says, when he calls Paul, he says, I've anointed Paul to preach my gospel to the Gentiles. But that's not what Paul says is his goal and desire. He says, all I want is to know Christ and to experience the power of his resurrection, to share in his sufferings and become like him in his death in the hope that I myself will be raised from death to life. For Paul, it wasn't about his achievements. And for Paul, it wasn't about his effort. For Paul, when he looked at his purpose, he said, I want to know Jesus. I want to know Jesus. And as, as far as it comes to Paul being qualified to be even a preacher of the gospel, he wasn't. Because he was a murderer of people who were preaching the gospel. And so often in our lives, we disqualify ourselves from our purpose because we just don't feel worthy enough. We just don't feel qualified enough. Oh, if I, I, I know you guys say I pray good, but I can't be called to be a prayer warrior because you don't know about my past. You don't know about the things that I've done. I just don't communicate well. So how could I be called in the area of prayer? How could I be called in the area uh, uh, of starting businesses? How could I be called in the areas because when we look at ourselves our inner critic says we're just not good enough but what Paul says is I now have the righteousness that is given through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God and is based on faith what Paul says is, he even goes as far as to say, listen, guys, I'm not claiming to be perfect. In the same passage, he goes, look, look, I'm actually not saying I've actually done it. I'm saying I'm not perfect. But you want my recipe? He says, the one thing I do, however, is to forget what is behind me. How many of us have been bringing in what is behind us to the forefront of our minds, of our purpose, where God is calling us to move forward, we're bringing the things that are behind us and putting it in front of us, and we wonder why we're hitting a wall. He says, I forget what is behind me, and I do my best to reach what is ahead. I'm doing my best to reach what is ahead, and what he says is, what he says is ahead is the prize, and what he says the prize is, is Jesus. The prize is Jesus. So Paul is not talking about his qualifications. As a matter of fact, he uses his qualifications to subvert what they think. He says, hey, I've done all of the law. That didn't matter. What matters is Jesus. And, and I think this might be a little cheesy, but work with me here. I want you guys to know that it is not about if you are qualified when it comes to your purpose. We're missing the point. It's about if you are qualified. Thank you for clapping. It's not about your, I could keep going, your qualifications. 
It's about your qualification. And what ought to matter is the fact that Jesus called every single one of you in this room to reach something, someone, and to know him, to know Jesus. And I fully believe that everything we do is designed around knowing Jesus and helping others know Jesus. So for Paul, everything in this passage is connected to Jesus because Jesus is the point of our purpose. He's the point. In every verse, he points to Jesus because Jesus is the point. He says, my effort doesn't matter. My righteousness doesn't matter because it's my faith in Jesus. When he talks about his achievement, he says, my achievements don't matter. They're garbage because the knowledge of Jesus surpasses any achievement, any accolade. And man, when it comes to my qualifications, later in the New Testament, Paul will say, I'm the chief of sinners, aka I am the least qualified to be up here. But God uses that. So he says, that's what he says. It, when it comes to his qualifications, he goes, it's not about my righteousness. It's about Jesus' righteousness in me. It's about the fact that Jesus is coming to me. He says, so I run. I want to back up. Paul's mentality was this, and I, I want us to capture this, that effort means nothing because of the effort of Jesus on the cross. Achievement means nothing. Because, because of Jesus' achievement of salvation. And be, being qualified means nothing because Jesus qualifies each and every one of us with his righteousness the second we place our faith in him. And Paul concludes, it, concludes this passage by saying, I do my best to reach to what is head. So I run toward the goal. What's the goal? In order to win the prize. Okay, Paul, there's a goal and there's a prize. Okay, so what's my purpose? Which is God's call. God's call through Christ Jesus to the life of above. Jesus is the point of our purpose. And, and, and I, I want to, like, give you, like, a practical, like, okay, Jesus is the point. Like, okay, so here's three steps to make Jesus the point in your purpose. But I don't think it's a thing that we do. I think it's an understanding that we live with that, that when I'm up here, the point isn't whether or not this message was good. Did you see those transitions? No, no, no. The point is knowing Jesus. When I'm in my career, it, it, what is the point? The point is, do I know Jesus? When I look back at the end of my life, no matter what I've done and achieved or not achieved, did I know Jesus? Because Paul was so caught up and so focused with Jesus that he, a leader of churches, said, I just want to know Jesus. And at the end of Paul's life, he said, I fought the good fight. I finished the race in knowing Jesus. When he looks at his, the, the, the decisions between life and death, he says, he, he's facing trial. He says, I'm torn. I'm torn because if I die, I get to be with Jesus. But if I live, I get to help you know Jesus. And that's how consumed Paul was with his purpose being Jesus. And it's something I have to understand every day, but it doesn't surprise me. Because Jesus is the point of it all. He's the point 
of the Bible. I mean, from cover to cover, it's all about Jesus. We believe in this house that the Bible is a unified story that points to a person, and the name of that person is Jesus. Can we say that Jesus is the point? Jesus, can you, I need you guys to help me out here. Jesus is the point. Let's say it one more time. Jesus is the point. He's the point of our lives. He's the point of our purpose. And it's no surprise because he's the point of the Bible. But I feel like we took up all of Ro's time. I feel like we should. Do you want to take this, Ro? You haven't preached in. Should you? Three weeks. Can we give it up for Pastor Ro as he talks about Jesus is the point of our Bible. Can we give it up for the amazing speakers that we have in the house? Jesus is the point of the Bible. This is incredibly essential because oftentimes we can be picking up our Bible and reading it in a way that it was never intended to be read. See, I think unfortunately I've seen so many people use the Holy Scriptures to harm people more than to help people. To condemn people more than to care for people. To give people rules rather than escort them into a relationship with Jesus. This is why we need to understand that Jesus is the point of the Bible. In John chapter 5, look what, look what it says. And, I, and again, I want you to lean in and hear this because... Sometimes we're like, I just need to get in the book, but you don't realize if you don't know where the book leads you to, you're going to get in a book and get religion rather than get relationship with God. And so the author has an intention. And it seems to me when I hear the words of Jesus that Jesus is telling me, hey, I think this book is about me. In John chapter 5, it says, you have her, you have your heads in your Bibles constantly because you think you'll find eternal life there. But these scriptures are all about me. And here I am standing right in front of you and you aren't willing to receive from me the life you say you want. Jesus is the point of the Bible. The New Living Translation says you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. Listen, we got to be careful. We have to be careful when we start disconnecting the book from the author and the author seems to think that the book is about him. When you look at Jesus uh, over and over, you see it in John chapter 5, you see it in John chapter, you'll see it in Luke chapter 24 when he's speaking to his disciples. He says, everything must be fulfilled that it is written about me. On the road to Emmaus, he looks at two disciples and he says, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And Paul, Paul tells Timothy, tell Timothy that the Holy Scriptures make you wise in accepting salvation and trusting in Jesus. Could it be that Bible-believing Christians have approached the Bible they believe in in a way that it was never meant to be? See, because I think sometimes we could approach the Scriptures in def different coping methods. And coping mechanisms, we will use the scriptures and we'll, we'll look at the scriptures as an inspired book. And we'll just like, you know, we'll just start Facebooking and Instagramming all the quotes and say, forgive others the way God forgives us. <laughs> Mommy, daddy, shut up, I'm trying to Instagram right now. 
right? We'll, we'll look at the Bible as a rule book and, okay, I got to make sure I behave a certain way and I got to make sure that I, I walk a certain way. And so we look at the Bible as a rule book, but it was never intended by the authors who were writing the Bible for it to be perceived or understood in its totality as a rule book. Sometimes we think it's like a dictionary that we can just look at the Bible and get all the, and, so, and many of us, we're playing Bible roulette. You know what I'm talking about? Lord, speak to me. And we got to be careful when we start reading the Bible solely to have application rather than falling in love with the author. We got to be careful because that's what we're taught. We go to church, we're like, hey, read the Bible and apply it. I don't know how to apply it. And you're not going to know how to apply it if you don't know who it's about, who it's from, and who it's pointing to. We, we approach it like heroes. Like we look at people like Moses and we're like, oh my God, Moses is amazing. We put, look like people like Noah and we're like, we see them as heroes of our faith. And let me tell you something, we can do that and we can understand Bible. I've heard someone tell, one time tell me like, we need to preach more on Moses. And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> we need to preach more on Moses. <laughs> when you don't realize if you went and had a conversation with Moses, he'll tell you that I'm not the point, homie. You need to point to Jesus because I only had the law written on stone, but Jesus will have the law written in your heart. You might be like, hey, you can go to Noah. Noah will tell you something. he say, listen, I'm not the point. I simply had a, a copious amounts of wood, and I only was able to save eight people. But if you look at Jesus, he took two pieces of wood and three nails, and he saved the entire human race. You can look at Daniel, and Daniel tell you, listen, I'm not the point. Jesus is the point. I only had a dental alliance. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the point. Oh, but I like David. Let me hear some David. And you want, you go to David. David would be like, listen, you, it's nice if you come to me, but I was only the king of Israel. And I only slayed the giant and the, and the lion and the bear. You need to look at the point, which is Jesus. He wasn't just the king of Israel because he's the king of kings and lord of lords. And he didn't just slay a lion and a bear. He slayed death and he slayed shame and he slayed guilt. This is who Jesus is. He is the point. Someone shout in this place. He's the point. As the worship team comes up, I want to share with you. That he is found in our entire Bible, Christ Uncensored. The reason that about eight years ago, we called this church Christ Uncensored is because they're always trying to censor the name. Whether it's taking prayer out of schools, whether it's just ignoring or making Jesus a commoner as one of many ways. And, and the, what we said is that, hey, we don't even want a, a church name that is about the church. We want a church name that just exalts and glorifies the name of Jesus. It is Christ uncensored. It is Christ uncensored. It is Christ uncensored. What am I saying? Let Christ be who he is. Let him be unfiltered. Let him be unhindered. Let him be who he is. And let me tell you, even in our own life, we want just enough Christ to have control. But can I submit to you today that Jesus is the point of your life? Did you know that? Kuhau, he's the point of your life. 
what would your life look like if you would see that Jesus is the point? And many times we try to kind of grasp our own desires and say, well, you know, I'm supposed to be here at a certain place in my life and I'm supposed to be here. And God is saying, are you really? But I still didn't reach this goal. But who, who gave you that goal in the first place? But I still don't have my house, but I still don't have this extra zero in the checking account. And Jesus is like, but I'm the point. If you have all those things and miss me, you miss the point of life. But if you have none of those things and you have me, you have gained the point of life. Jesus is the point of life. Jesus is the point of our purpose. And Jesus is the point of our Bible. In every page, in every book, in the Old Testament, and in the New Testament, you will find Jesus. Just look for him and you'll find him. Look in every page, you're going to find Jesus. Search the scriptures. Don't be like the Pharisees who search the scriptures to look for what they wanted. Look for what the scriptures pointed to. They point to Jesus. For my friends, page after page, what you will find is a unified story that continues to point you to Jesus. And their shadows and their images and their types of Jesus. It's all letting us know through the scriptures that Jesus is the point of this book. That Jesus is the point of the Bible. There's 39 books in the Old Testament. There's 27 books in the New Testament. And you'll find them in Genesis. Just go right there. You'll see them in Genesis. Because in Genesis, oh, he's our word that spoke life into existence. Oh, you could see him in the Exodus because in Exodus, oh, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus and in Numbers, he's the high priest. In Deuteronomy, he's the city of our refuge. In Joshua, he's the commander of the Lord's army. In Judges, he is the deliverer of unrighteousness. In, 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 in Ruth, he is like, like Boaz, who is the king's men's redeemer. But you'll also see him in Ezra and Nehemiah, and Nehemiah because he is the rebuilder. And in Esther, he's like Mordecai because Mordecai was a protector of his people. But don't stop there. You can go to Job. And in Job, oh, he's the mediator between God and man. In Psalms, he's our song and our shepherd. In Proverbs, he's our wisdom. In Ecclesiastics, he's the meaning of life. You could also see him in the song of solomon's because in the songs of solomon's oh he's the lover of our soul don't stop there there's a whole slew of prophets you can go to isaiah he's the mighty counselor the mighty god the prince of peace the everlasting father you can see him in jeremiah and lamentations because he's the comforter of the weeping prophets you can see him in Ezekiel because he's the son of man that blows life into the dry bones. Oh, you can see him again and again in Hosea, in Daniel. Because in Daniel, oh my God, in Daniel, he's the one in the fire. The fourth man in the fire. Oh, my friends, you can see him in Hosea. In Hosea, look for Jesus and you'll find him. Because he's the one that's married to the backslider. In Joel, he's the one that baptizes. He gives that 
anointing that pours out on all flesh on the sons and daughters and Amos, Amos and Obadiah oh he's the burden barrier and the mighty savior in Jonah he's the rescuer in Malachi he's the one that's prophesied to be born in Bethlehem in Nahum he is the stronghold he is the stronghold in time of trouble in Habakkuk he's the knowledge of God's glory not only in Habakkuk you could also see him in Zephaniah because he's the reformer in Haggai he's the fountain that cleanses and in Zechariah he is the one that is prophesied to be pierced for us and in Malachi he's the one that will return the hearts to the fathers and the hearts of the fathers to the son his name is Jesus my friends can I tell you you can see him in Matthew Mark Luke and John because he is the Messiah who is king the Messiah who is servant the Messiah who is deliverer and the Messiah who is God in the flesh the one the way the truth and the life that's who he is you can see him again in Acts because in Acts he's the Holy Spirit that dwells among his people you can see him again not only in Acts but you'll see him in Acts and in 1 Corinthians you will see him I'm sorry in Romans find him in Romans he's our righteousness you can see him in 1 Corinthians he is pure love in 2 Corinthians he's the triumphal one you can see him again in Galatians because he's our freedom do you see him in Ephesians because in Ephesians he's our identity in Philippians he's our joy in Colossians he's our completeness see him again in first and second Thessalonians because he's our hope first and second of Timothy because he's our faith and stability you can see him in Titus because he's our foundation of truth and you can see him in Philemon because he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother you can see him again in Hebrews because he's our perfection you can see him in James because he's the power behind our faith you can see him again in first and second of Peter because he's our cornerstone in first and second of John because he is the Lord of love and in Jude oh my friend he's the foundation of our faith but in Revelation he is the one the coming King the first the last the beginning and the end the one who was the one who is and the one that is to come his name is Jesus can we give him a shout of praise in this place once again we want to thank you for tuning in subscribe now and stay connected to all of our latest messages and if this message really blessed you pass along the blessing by sharing it with a friend we pray that you will be given the opportunity to apply this message and we hope that you enjoy the rest of your day god bless